Steven Seagal do besides hold a carrot like he's never seen one before oh the carrot pictures of um, just a national treasure confused by a fucking carrot oh yeah do you know who's handing that him that carrot Putin no uh Lukashenko okay the dictator of Belarus the last dictator of Europe mm-hmm. yes was handing him a carrot that he was confused by and then two watermelons that he held up like boobies and has a huge grin yeah yeah He's mm. also uh, accused of sex trafficking, so that's no good. Who knew? Yeah. That's, a a that's douchebag in Eastern Seagal. Europe getting busted for... Mm, no. Who knew? That's Steven Seagal, baby. <sighs> Wonderful human being. Big friend of... Uh, who was the, that fucking sheriff in Maricopa County? Oh. Joe Arpaio. Yeah, fucking Joe Arpaio. That fucking mountain of shit. Do not get me started on how much I dislike that human being. And, uh... I don't know, man. How do you feel about Steven Seagal? Because there are a few of his movies that I'll watch, but not for him. Right. Like, I will watch Under Siege whenever I get a chance, just because Tommy Lee Jones is out of his fucking mind in that movie. It's a delight. That movie was like a Steven Seagal movie, but it could have been anybody. It could have been anybody in that particular role that happened to have an action, you know, series behind his name. So that's why it worked. So Gary Busey's great in that movie. Which one is a marked for death? That's the one where they're taking on the uh, Jamaican drug lords. Okay, no, the other one. The other one where, oh God, the guy from... Um, where he's in the coma? I think Hard so. Hard to kill? The, yeah, the guy from uh, Colors. The mustache played uh, Joe Morgan. I don't, I don't remember. Uh, anyway, the <laughs> bad guy was well. kind of heavier set dude with a big mustache, real douchebag. I mean, this sounds about right for a Steven Seagal movie. That's the only one I liked. And the only reason I watched him to even begin with is because I'd never heard of Aikido before. And I'm fascinated by any kind of martial arts. That made-up martial art? (laughs) I've never seen Aikido used in a combat situation, but it looks... Because you can't. It's impossible to do unless you have a partner who is willing to flip around six times because you twisted the wrist a little. Fair enough. So it's Bullshito. Yes, it is full-on bullshit. The other Seagal movie that I will watch just because is The Glimmer Man with him and DMX. Glimmer Man! Because <laughs> it's such a piece of shit that, like, oh God, well, yeah. I'll watch Glimmer Man. Why would I not? Fair enough. So you've just named five Steven Seagal movies that you would watch. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, I was giving you the names of a few of those. I was providing titles. Mm-hmm. I was not endorsing those films. You love you some Steven Seagal. No, because he's the only like action hero who absolutely refused to like look foolish whatsoever. Yeah. Did you? Uh, what is it? Ah, the fucking movie he did with Kurt Russell, kinda. He's in for a little bit. I think it's Executive Decision. God, I managed to miss that one. Thank goodness. Because it's uh the one where Steven Seagal dies at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, like right at the beginning, and the entire theater cheered, and Steven Seagal got up and like left because he was pissed, and his agent had to tell him, like, no, they they cheered because you had like a, a hero's death. You died like a warrior, and that's how he had to calm him down. Wow, that was all of the sunshine ever blown up the ass oh, at Steven any given Seagal one time. Oh, Steven Seagal is an amazing piece of shit. Well, I think in order, you know, let's put it this way, um, to make it in any big industry right you can either have the skill or be a douchebag sometimes you have both but a lot of people made it on skill and they're nice people and and some of them steven seagal for example not so much no made it through like mob ties and shit Mm -hmm. but there's other people that have made it through mob ties that weren't complete pieces of shit you know, there was a time where if you wanted to work in Vegas, if you wanted to work in uh, any of the nightclubs, because we didn't have TV, so you'd go entertainment all night. You'd, you'd pay your $20, and then they'd have a comedian. You'd have your dinner. Then they'd have the singer. And then, you know, and all that shit, you had to tie yourself to a specific mobster. So if I worked for, let's say, let's say I worked for the Jewish mob up on the north side, I couldn't work in any Italian bars. I could only work, the you know, the ones owned by him. Or I'd have to get special, but that's how it always was. That didn't mean everybody who did that was a douchebag. Right. You know, 
So sometimes you've got to pay to play. But yeah, he was a, just a big old douchebag. Oh yeah, just a real rotten piece of shit. And like he goes in and mob, he goes in with mob ties. Yet he also tries to be a fucking police person on television. What the fuck was that all about? Oh, do you mean the one where he would just, it was basically racial profiling the show? Mm-hmm. Yep. Steven Seagal, lawman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, so I, I bet all his mob buddies were going, fuck. <laughs> well, I'm Hope sure you don't he, trick. I'm sure he shed those back in the, like, mid to late 80s after his debt was paid. You never shed them 100%. Yeah, but I mean... Okay, they probably shed him, if that we're being sounds, very honest. Yeah, it was probably not looking good for They're like, oh, this guy's probably a trick anyway, you know? And we're not making any more money off his dumb ass, huh? No, Boy. these movies suck. Don't call us, buddy. Don't and, call and now us. he has the movies where he basically, he's in it for like 10 minutes with his weird triangle goatee. Mm-hmm. And like he sits in a chair. Yep. He's got that beautiful Travolta beard dye job working. Oh, mm-hmm. goodness. <laughs> I when you told me you were watching Paris is Burning, I'm like that is the most god awful beard to ever be filmed on. Paris is Burning. What is that? What was the movie you were watching with him? Oh, uh, I, that actually is the next HPV or the last one, depending on when this comes out. Mm. It doesn't matter. Uh, from Paris with Love. Yeah, yeah. God awful. Oh, god it's awful. a fantastic His, film. No, no, I'm talking about the beard. St- starring John Travolta, Jonathan Rhys Meyers, and a vase of cocaine. Yes, and uh, John Travolta's horribly dyed beard. It's it's incredible. Oh, God, yeah. Because uh. it was like he was trying to take all of the joy out of whatever Travolta brings. But he was still poking out no matter how much of a douchebag he was acting, no matter what he did with his acting, he still kind of had that weird little, I have Vinnie Barbarino smile, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's one of those movies where you can tell, like, nobody wants to be here except John Travolta, who's having a blast. Mm-hmm. Funded by all that Scientology money. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Uh, speaking of fucking bald, weird assholes, hey, everybody, welcome to Horror Vomit, where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to. I don't know if I should be offended or happy, because I'm the bald, weird asshole that you were t- staring at. My name is Chris Pfaff, and I'm one of your hosts. And I'm James Marino, and I'm the other one of your hosts. And bald as shit. And weird asshole. And uh, I'm blaming you for this one this mm-hmm. week, James, because... We watch <laughs> 2018. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Hell House LLC 2 colon The Abaddon Hotel. Mm-hmm. Written and directed by Stephen Cognetti, starring Vas Eli as Mitchell, Jillian Gertz as Jessica, Dusty Austin as David, and Joy Schatz as Molly James. Yes. Since you insisted, mm-hmm. we do this. Mm-hmm. How did you like Hell House LLC 2 colon the Abaddon Hotel? I didn't hate it. <laughs> sure. That's, that's high praise for this movie. I had to think of it as part of a whole. And I had to look at why people would like it. You see what I'm saying? Because this is absolutely like... the. Like, horror generally is now becoming my cup of tea, but it's not my go-to. Found footage, I'm starting to enjoy, but I don't have a whole lot to compare it to. So a lot of these things, I have to look at it if I was into this. So I often think of my wife loves the Saw movies. We've talked about it before. This has a lot of that aspects in the second movie, the movie we watched. And I think the movie we watched suffered from being the center of a trilogy. Yeah. Okay, I think that um, this movie actually made me like the first one. Let's say if I, I let's say if we had a rating system and, and you know out of ten, the first time I've seen it, I would have given it a seven out of ten. But after watching this one, I'm moving it up because it made me a appreciate what they were trying to do in the first one. It expanded the lore, which is important to some people. I usually don't give a fuck about. Um, it expanded the lore. It did what a second movie needs to do. Does that make it good? No. Does it make it bad? No. Does it, was it a waste of my time? Yeah. Unless I see the third one, and the third one could make up for it and explain some shit that was irritating me about this one. Well, then we'd have to also do the fourth one. Well, yeah. We're, we're you know, in for a penny, in for a pound, dude. We're halfway there. Yeah, we, I mean, we might as well. Yeah, we've got <laughs> to get these episodes somehow. Homie. So, James. Mm-hmm. What did you think? 
This film is my fucking nightmare. <laughs> Chris, I don't usually see you have this visceral reaction to anything. There is. So here's my guess. And I, I did no research because I wasn't interested enough to actually find out. But here's my guess. Since Hell House LLC, the original, was so fucking good, mm-hmm. I, I fear, or actually, I will go with the hopeful. I hope this is what he had planned all along, mm-hmm. was to make this big sprawling story out of this. And I really, really hope that this is a work of passion that happened to have gotten a little bit less funding and maybe was uh, done a little quicker. Yeah. The the downside that I, I fear, it may be that after making Hell House LLC and it being so good, this was the only offers that he was getting. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of continued well, because this movie's dog shit, James. Well, let me, let me, let me. I fucking hate this movie so much. Because it takes everything that is good about the original. And again, this this kind of feels like the Jaws, oh, where God. the sequels can't diminish how good Jaws is. Yeah. After the first one being so good, mm-hmm. this one lacks all of the filmmaking prowess and coherency, I guess, that the first one did. And it is just a fucking mess. Well, and it's not the kind of mess where it's so fucking bananas that I can't look away. Mm-hmm. It's put together in a very strange way with characters that we are never sympathetic to really whatsoever mm-hmm. and barely know and treated to lore that feels hastily written. Mm-hmm. Well, and retconning the original. I have read three or four interviews just because I I have like super focus on today and had a day, you know, so I threw myself into stuff. He said that he had originally intended this to be um, a three-parter and that he was happy to have gotten funding, you know, to have started the first one. Um, there Again, the funny thing that you mentioned, it, he didn't, he had had it, you know, he hadn't had it written completely out, but he had it planned to do over a period of time. And I think that, He's trying to, th- he threw a bunch, this is my guess, just judging by what I've heard and what I've read, that he threw a bunch of stuff in there, kind of buy him time to finish it up. But he had intended to be a trilogy, he said, from the beginning. He wanted it to be like um, one movie, you know, in three parts, as opposed to, you know, if you, instead of thinking about it as three different movies, he wants to, you know, to be conceived as one big thing. Like, a, effectively, like a, Netflix miniseries. Exactly. Where it's like hour and a half episodes, Mm -hmm. but same story. Right. Kind of like they did with Sherlock Holmes. Sure. So, um, yeah, so that's what I read. Um, I think that what allowed me to see this a little differently is that the first movie was this very specific type of movie. It was very much what we think of as a found footage movie. There's only so much sustain you can get with found footage, okay? So you have, to, you have to expand it or you have to turn it into a different kind of movie. This is a different kind of movie. It's, the conceit is that it is indeed a found footage, but it's more of a, now it's more of a, a demon who done it, and you've, you're left to find out the, pick, the pieces, and it's more of a detective-y thing. Yes, you're getting the gore, you're getting the thing, but I find the reason that people like the saw and like the lore is they like tying it together. They like, you know, connecting the dot. I like it to a certain extent in small little bits in a movie. If they spoon for me a little bit, I love that. You know, I, they reward me for catching the glimpse in here. This movie is not for people like me. This movie is for, like, I, I game, and there are some people who just enjoy the game. They play it and whatever. There are some that need to know every little bit of history, why this particular magic item was in this area, because it made this happen later. And they extrapolate and they put in it. And that's what this movie has become. This movie has become a vessel for me to put in all my little conspiracy theories, all the things that I thought of from the first movie, and make me wonder about the next one. So as, as a piece, it, it's kind of, it feels unfinished and unformed, which would tend to bother me. But I know there's another one behind it. So 
I'm kind of hanging out to see. The third movie is going to prove whether this movie was decent or not to me. If in the third movie, everything was just a waste of time, then I will grant you that he had the sophomore slump and he was figuring out what the fuck he was going to do. And I'm not going to spend as much time because I got to write. You know, that could have, I don't know, I was not there, but we know how it feels. I tried to objectively look at this as a lore movie, as a, almost a procedural in that I know this about Molly, I know this about Denise, I know this about them. They did this, they shouldn't have been there, now they're here. And I'm putting those things together. So it occupied me that way, because if I was just watching it as a found footage movie, I'd have kicked the fucking screen. Because all they did with this movie is everything that we've seen. But worse. Right. Like when the one of the first scares, when the newscaster is standing in front of the Abaddon and she's doing the broadcast and they show the behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. In the original Hell House LLC, you wouldn't have seen it in the original shot. They would have pointed it out, which I guess is still kind of cheap, whatever, but it adds to the documentary feel. Right. Here they just had what was clearly a ghoul just standing mm-hmm. just in broad daylight right out in the open. There, there was no scare factor. It felt like it was done hurriedly. Mm-hmm. Whereas hell house LLC, the original feels like it took its time mm-hmm. with the scares to get them right. And all of the jump scares and the whatever else felt very earned. Mm-hmm. Whereas this felt like, Oh, it worked the first time. Just plop it in. I think the only time I was effectively scared in the whole movie, the one that really got me, and it was probably the simplest to shoot, is going down the hallway, is that Molly, Molly Aram, I forgot which one, sitting on the ground talking to their mother on the phone. And they're talking and they're talking, oh no, this, you know, whatever, whatever. Then they pitch, they just, all they did was just pitch the voice down. Well, of course I'm dead. I'm like, yeah. And, and they, when they kept going, that actually got me because... Again, it is the same thing, but I'm not paying attention to the scares in this movie. I didn't give a fuck about the scares in this movie. I gave a fuck about every hint about the Abaddon in this movie. Well, and the reason that you didn't care about the scares is because there were barely any and they were not very well done. Again, Mm -hmm. they just feel rushed. Like if they'd have taken an extra hour to set them up Mm -hmm. and kind of think about the shots that they were getting. Or tied it to the first movie even more. Right, but I'm just talking yeah. about your filmmaking, your scares. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, in the original Hell House, there is a game that they play kind of frequently where they are, you know, they will survey an entire room effectively. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that little thing where you notice, like, oh shit, did that move? They do that <laughs> a lot of times, a lot of times <coughs> in this film. But the reason that it doesn't work is because they're doing very obvious camera pans to Mm -hmm. look at the rest of the room when there's no reason to. It doesn't feel natural. So instead of having that game to play, Mm -hmm. they're kind of just pointing at it. And not, did you notice? Like, no, we're we're going to show you explicitly because it worked the last time. Well, I think what happens too is in this one, it's more important that we notice, notice. Before, we're, we're rewarded for not noticing. Oh, shit. This one, we're supposed to notice things we're, because we have been kind of trained in the first one to, to, to look for things. Not only are they going to show us, but whatever they show us that it doesn't seem important now, it should come up in the third movie. And that's the only thing, again, that can save it because, again, we're, we're talking about a difference in style of movie. The conceit is that this is a found footage film, but again, it cannot sustain. It has to be something else. And I think that's what you're bristling against. It, uh, it was shot pretty much the same. It, uh, I would say the acting in this one was a little worse. Yes. Except when, was it Molly, the blonde one? Uh, uh, Denise. Jessica. Oh, Jessica. Okay, when she was being regular Jessica, fuck her. Are you talking about the... The blonde one that was a reporter, I think? Yeah, okay. Yeah. The, not the news anchor, the investigator. The investigator. Okay. Yeah, the one that went with him. Yes, okay. When, when she was just being her and talking at the bar, this left a bad actor taste in my mouth. But when she was afraid and when she was possessed and everything, she, that, she was the only, that was the only thing that existed on screen. Again, maybe compared to the other acting I'd seen, that made it look even better. But when she was freaking out at that table with the bruises and shit, and I'm like, and the snot's coming out of the, mouth, out of the nose, I'm like, 
damn, that's good. Right. And the only problem I have with those, she is good in those mm-hmm. scenes. I will grant her that. She is excellent in those shots. The lighting in that is off. Mm-hmm. The lighting in that is bad. It makes it look really cheap. Where again, we never saw that problem in the original Hell House. Right. right. And you know, I think another one of the problems that they had is that that's an active hotel. And they had to close it down, reset it up, redress it. And the other thing, like immediately when they have the uh, three panelists mm-hmm. on the talk show deal. I knew, I, knew, I knew the end of the movie the minute I heard that guy talk. And, but they keep coming back to it. And like I said, I guess everything is supposed to be edited and done by the, the Russell Wynn group or right. whatever. But it makes it so confusing. Like, why are we, why are we back to this? Because remember when I, I come, one of the things that I said about um, LLC is that um, the way there was never a rhythm to it, there was never a, a feeling of settled. And that a lot of times, like the sense of place, and I love the fact that they explained in this movie, and this was something I enjoyed too, was that it was based on the H.H. Holmes house. And I thought that was a lovely bit of lore. But, you know, the, it was very confusing geographically. And then the way they shot it, and there was no real rhythm to the movie. This one has uh, a more studied rhythm, rhythm because it's supposed to have been put out by the Wind Group. So it doesn't have that same sense of frenetic. It doesn't have that same sense of, holy shit, where am I? What time is it? What's going on? No, it feels like they wrote a script where they said, we need a scare every two pages. Exactly. Where we need to put something in to keep us engaged, rather than letting us get acquainted with these characters through them just being together. Mm-hmm. The, and like I said, some of the writing seems way, way off. Like when they first go and meet uh, Mitchell mm-hmm. at like his apartment or whatever, and he's laying the ground rules for, okay, I will go with you, but here's the deal. You do what I say. You do what I say when I say it. If anything kicks off, we get up and leave. Mm-hmm. No questions asked. We get up and we go. Well, we're bringing our camera. That's not negotiable. Ah, okay. Yeah. And then he immediately makes some other concession. Like, no, you just contradicted your character mm-hmm. in like within 30 seconds. That's bad writing. And did you feel like, how do I want to say this eloquently? Like you could tell it was all from one writer. Mm. Like the, the line deliveries were fine, but all of the lines felt like they it was were written, written by the same person. Yeah, it, they call that um, written in single voice, or that's what I've been told. Um, and you you will find that a lot. Um, yeah, this probably was helmed mainly by him then. And the other time he probably had... Oh, okay. I happened to just catch a bit of the uh, credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, written and directed, obviously, by Stephen Cognetti. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many producers and whoever with the last name Cognetti were tied to this? Quite a few. Several. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can, can you imagine how many? No, there will be zero Marinos on any of my film credit because we're all broke as fuck. But if my family was funding my movie, they'd all get gigantic. Ad. They'd be bigger than the stars. Right. And there's a couple other just wonky things. Again, with the uh, uh, the talk show panel mm-hmm. that is just keeps coming back to that, uh, wasting a lot of time when they would be on this daytime program showing videos of people who died in a house. No, that again, it's shoehorned in there cause they needed to fill time. We see three or four independent videos with none of the characters from our film in it. Mm-hmm. And you know what bothered me the most? There was no tie-in. Okay, remember when they flash back to the kid playing that song and saying he's got a date at the Abaddon? Yep. That makes, if you follow any logic, any stream of logic at all, there's no way. Because they were three separate things and at no time were any of those people connected. Or the house, the thing. The, so why would that be the same song? Hmm. And here's where we get into my biggest problem hmm. with all of this. I have other things too, but since you already kind of brought it up, they're just doing the shining. Now. Oh God. Yeah. 
Didn't notice he it. Just, he just turned it into the overlook where it calls Jack to it. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I'm disliking it a little more now. Yeah. But again. And, and instead of The Shining being a, the force, mm-hmm. and, you know, obviously the film's named after it, but it, it's the supernatural force that calls Jack and keeps him in this weird time loop, yada, 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 The yeah. Shining. Instead of it being like a supernatural force, it's just a dude in this movie. Yeah. And the one thing I did enjoy about this movie, too, is I, okay, the, you know, the cult leader, they're fine. But I, I love the fact, I like the way that they describe hell. Like, when, when they're talking about it, the concept of he loves to burn, you know, all that kind of stuff. That kind of drew me into it a little bit more, again, from the lore aspect, because I've not seen it put that way. Traditionally, you know, when the the cult leader succumbs to whatever the force is, it's bad for them. Okay? At no point, at no point is it ever bad for that motherfucker. At all. It's just like every time he even thinks about the lake of fire, he just gets that little smile on his face. And I enjoyed that because to me that's a juxtaposition of what I'm used to seeing. And uh, I think the difference, again, between you're watching it and me watching it is I don't have the background in it. I see what they're doing and I saw what they're doing while it was happening instead of after the fact. Cause sometimes I have to reconfigure everything I just thought. Cause I missed one big thing today. I didn't, I'm like, Oh, they're setting it up and I get what they're doing. So I'm reserving my judgment again till like the third one. And if Lake of fire doesn't answer about three or four things or show me why you showed me this, then this whole series can go fuck itself except for the first one. Mm-hmm. But it could redeem itself. I don't know. And I, I'm kind of curious to find out. Because, again, I don't hate it. I don't like it. I might like it upon seeing the third one. So I, I do want to illustrate why I'm having such a big problem with the recurrence of the daytime television show panel. And the main reason that it bothers me so much is because they kill the paranormal investigator immediately. Mm-hmm. Have him be part of the movie at least because he's in a few of the shots at the beginning where they're at the taping of this show. Then he shows up at the Abaddon while they're breaking in and then he's killed immediately. He and his cameraman are just gone from the film except for in those weird throwbacks like, well, then you didn't need him here at all. Comic relief. But he wasn't. Ah, I laughed uh, several times. Just how fucking cheesy he was. You know, when he was talking about the ghosts want us here. I thought that was funny as shit. Or like the long, uh, and speaking of the, you know, we're going to show this video that these people took, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like the gay couple that picks up the hitchhiker. Well, none of that really mattered. We didn't know who any of these characters are. Mm -mm. And it's it's just another occurrence of, well, look at this other thing that happened at the Abaddon hotel. Again, if, if they don't sew these things up and give us more information, because right now I'm on the information trail. It's like, okay, either they tie it up or they just fucked us for this entire movie. See, right now you're still feeling fucked. I'm, I'm reserved. Oh, I've seen this movie before. Ah. I've seen about half of the third one. Too. Ah, okay. And didn't redeem so far. Well, I also kind of didn't pay attention to the third one. Cause I put it on right after the second. Gotcha. At, at the time, this was years ago, but mm. cause now, cause again, I'm curious cause I've, I've been burned before. Like I love book series and sometimes you get like, let's say you got a eight book series and sometimes you get two or three books that kind of fucking lag. And at the end of it, you read the books and you're like, fucking hey. And then you have to go back and reread it because you weren't paying attention and you got to go pay, you know. And then it's fun and rewarding. But I've been like eight books into a 10 book series and I get to the last book and I just want to fucking burn every single one of them because it was just, oh, you're, you're just keeping writing to write. You, you, somebody should have warned me, you know. So one of the other big problems that I have with just uh, the filmmaking aspect, and it really stood out to me upon this second watch, is flashing to uh, Jessica, the blonde investigator, in the chair in the police station before anything had happened. You are giving your game away twice. Because as it ends up, one of them has to survive to keep this going. I thought that was interesting. 
Yeah, that, that's fine. Like the stuff that when they talk about the cult and when they talk about um, why, how, and where, that kind of stuff, it's fascinating to me because I'm, I'm, I'm all about that shit, you know? But yeah, I don't know, man. And just, okay, so then I, I do want to move into, speaking of just kind of bad writing, in my opinion, the character of Andrew Tully. Mm-hmm. He sounds like a bad video game villain. He does, and I loved it. I say the writing. I I can't believe you let me deceive you so easily. These are all my domino pieces, and here is my most important domino piece, I Alex. It. I loved watching that guy chew the fucking scenery because he was the same smarmy fuck he was when he was sitting in the goddamn chair. And right from the minute I, the first time he opened his mouth, I'm like. Oh, that's the cult leader. Yeah. Yeah, because then there's the uh, Risha retcon uh, video of he and Alex talking, and you never see him. Right. It's just a shot of Alex like, well, there's no reason a camera would fucking be here. In that ancient ass hand. Yeah. And having to also, speaking of that final scene, I, I understand that they're trying to provide a reason why there's still a camera rolling. It being found footage, you, generally speaking, want to provide a reason why there's still a camera rolling. But to have your villain just go, pick up the goddamn camera! You know, I, it, it didn't even, I didn't even clock that, homie. I didn't even notice it. To be honest with you, I was just like, I was enjoying a whole bunch of other things. Because I'm sitting there, while that's happening... Because I, I had to, I was watching it on my phone. I had to stop and put it back up on the big screen. And I'm standing up in front of the TV, just looking at everything. So he's talking, but, you know, I'm looking at everything else. And, and I'm trying to remember the lore that I just heard. So I'm getting engaged in this movie in an entirely different manner. But there are things that pull me out of it, too. Like, I thought it was a very good sequence, actually, when they try to escape and the clown's leaning against not against the door, but against the wall next to the open door, their exit. Yep. And as soon as they approach, it moves and they run like shit, of course. And through this goddamn maze of a hotel, finally up the stairs and into this room. And Was it they, two seat? Yeah. And they push the uh, bureau in front of the door. Mm -hmm. Now what takes me out of it is when they had just found a bunch of random tapes in the basement. Yeah. And the video guy just somehow has an adapter for every single kind of tape so he can sit and watch them with earphones. And while they are in the scariest situation that you could possibly have ever been in in your life, mm -hmm. he's just like documenting and marking tapes. But he was also the only at, at that. I think that was to me. I was like, oh, that's his trauma response. He's getting to work because the whole time I wasn't even thinking about him. The way they the way they framed that. Right. They were over on one side and almost a whole half a screen and in the little corner, you see what's your butt sitting there, right? And I'm staring. I'm waiting for her eyes to flip out. I'm waiting for anything. And I'm just staring and I'm staring. And it was kind of funny to me that nothing happened to her at that moment. You know, there was nothing supernatural, nothing demonic. But I've been trained to look for something demonic. And I just thought that was kind of a clever little thing to mess with me. So, right. And then I had to, like, I had to pause the movie because I tr was trying my best to figure out what the fuck they were talking about. After the, because the lights kill during that scene when they're in the room right. to see. Lights come back on, Molly's missing. We got to go find her. We got to go find her. We got to go find her. So then Mitchell and Jessica stop him and say, well, hold on, just. We're going to do this. Just don't be stupid about this. Don't, don't be stupid. Don't be rash. Don't like, well, what are you talking about? Like yeah. this dialogue doesn't make any goddamn sense. Like I had to rewind it and see if there was something that I missed. Again, there's just those little touches that like, this feels rushed as hell. Mm -hmm. And again, it's the, the stilted dialogue. I've been trained in other movies to go, oh, stilted dialogue. That's going to mean something in the fourth one. That, you know, because, again, I'm using the saw allegory. You know, every time you heard somebody say something, anything, even if it was completely out of place, you're like, oh, was that Jigsaw that made them say that? Or was that this? Or did, did they mean this? Or, you know, and so my brain was, again, jumping to those types of things because I don't like to have my time wasted. And I think I invent things to make me like it. 
you know? But this is kind of interesting. This is the first time in a long time we have had, you know, this big a gap between our opinions. Yeah, like, I, there's just little things of, because the original Hell House LLC feels just almost perfectly crafted. Down to every aspect of it. The dialogue, the writing, the acting, everything is spot on for you feeling like those are people. And that you are in this situation that you do not want to be in. Mm -hmm. At no point during this film, except for, again, when they were being chased through the house, or the part where Molly shows up, because... That fuck with me, too. Yeah, I, I really like that. I thought that was a smart way to get your character that you intentionally left behind, because I thought it was stupid. Like, well, why would they come all the way here and then leave her by a car in a cornfield... Don't have her sit by a car in a cornfield. Just have her drive somewhere else. Mm -hmm. The fuck are you doing? But again, it serves a function. It's fine because she hears a, a false uh, frequency, I guess, over the radio that tells told her that she needed to be inside, that they needed her in there. And when they go find her upstairs, like, what the fuck are you doing here? Mm -hmm. It erupts into a gigantic fight. And oh, yeah. I, I thought that was really well done. Well, there was a couple things here. Um, I love the, they, they answered a couple of questions in this movie that I really needed answered from the first movie. Like when the conversation, you know, the conversation about, you know, well, what about the money? You know, you put all this fucking money in the LLC. What, you know, that was left hanging. They, they answered it, thankfully. And there was one other thing. It was a kind of a big thing they answered for me that made me happy about the first movie. God damn it. I just had him head. But I also like what they did in this movie where they set it up where you can't trust where anybody, Oh, th why the police were always there. You know, it didn't seem normal. Why, you know, I understand having, you know, a patrol part car go by once in a while, you know, but why was the whole town? Why was it, you know, and they answered that in this one too. And I also like the fact that they made it so that you couldn't trust who you were seeing. And they really cemented it, cemented it in this movie with the, uh, you know, um, Molly, and also with um, the cult leader, because the guy, the way the guy looked, I had to stop and rethink. The way the guy looked is not really. It was basically an aspect of the demon or the lake of fire. Knew what this person looked like because now it seems like technology is a little bit involved in this, which is a little different from most movies like this. You know, they um, when they got the phone call, well, he was already here. Now he was allowed to be filmed. That was already projected. So now they're showing that they can be portrayed through media, you know, and I thought that was a very, very interesting and a touch because I've not seen that before, at least in that way. One of the other things that I will say that I really like, and it's my favorite part of the first one, when they're in the basement and the fucking wall blows out and it's just a portal into hell. Mm -hmm. I That's the one time when I, you know... I don't get real excited when movies repeat their thing that I like. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it was special in the original because it was a, just a special moment. Now you're repeating it just for fan service. But it felt natural here not because only, it wasn't in the same place. Right. Not only that, but it was like we, it was hinted at a little bit more. It wasn't as outright shown. It was still not completely shown, but we got more. Then what we so, so we have a better understanding now through that uh, visual, and I think that was well done too. And and again, I I, I really like the fact that this movie had a rhythm because if it didn't, I wouldn't have been able to pay attention to all these little weird things. And do they match up to the next one, or are they setting up? So I was playing that game in my head the whole movie: is this a setup or is it payoff? What's going on? You know. So again, it, this movie engaged me a lot more. But I, again, I, I don't feel like it even pushed the, if this is what you're going for is mm. a lore yeah. film, I don't think it pushed the lore all that it needed to because they clearly had to fill time with all these little vignettes of people breaking into, or just, I guess, walking into because the door opens by itself. Well, here's my theory. Just came up with it on the spot. He had a half-ass idea to do a trilogy. He knew kind of how it was going to end. He had some really cool stuff that he was going to put in there. But he only gets to make one movie. Okay, make the movie. It's successful. Fuck me running. Right, 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 right. Shit. I need to have all this go together. I need more time. That actually makes a lot of sense. And again, I hope that he had enough time to make it worth my while. Yeah, because I... 
I, like I said, there's just so much in the writing, in the sloppiness. It just feels sloppy. Yeah. As compared to the first, because, I mean, it's still not like super well lit, which can work in its favor. But there's a lot of times where there's just darkness on screen in this. And it's not effective darkness. It's just a black screen. And, okay, can we move this along a little quicker? Because it's been 8 to 10 seconds, which sounds like a small gripe. But when you're sitting watching a blank screen for 8 to 10 seconds in the middle of your horror film, that's a problem. It should be a payoff. Yes. Um. Yeah, it, I was kind of irritated that... Um the characters that they brought back were meaningless from the first one, mm-hmm. you know, and the characters they introduced seemed meaningless, except for maybe one or two that seem obvious that there's going to be more with. But like you said, that, you know, the gay couple at the beginning, you know, it, I swear to God, they were just trying to be inclusive because there's no reason for that scene. No, you could have introduced it a thousand other ways and shortened this movie a little bit. In fact, this movie could have done with a little tightening of the belt. Right, but then it's not feature length. You're not producing a feature length film. Oh, if you I take guess. out the two kids that break in, the gay couple who follows the yeah. hitchhiker inside, and I believe there's a fourth one. Well, I guess you could count the paranormal investigator because he doesn't matter at all to the story. Mm-mm. He's just kind of there for time filler as well. Yeah, and, again, I, I, like I said, comic relief for me because I thought he was funny as shit. Oh, and I mean, the visual of he and his cameraman hanging from those nooses that weren't in the room before, mm-hmm. pretty good. It it felt reminiscent, but it was also one of those scenes where they leaned very heavily on the, nope, we're going to pan all the way across the room. And they do it like three times in that. Like, you, it, this, this doesn't feel natural like the first one did. Uh. It feels like you're trying to recapture the, eh, it worked for us before. And I, they overdid the, uh, is it a person? It is a dummy. Oh, there's eyes. Oh, I'm scared. You know, if they'd have, again, they had a good rhythm to this movie, but if they would have punctuated maybe three times, beginning, middle, near the end, it would have been effective. You know, the, the one time in the dining room was effective and the clown was effective. There were like four or five of them for no fucking reason. Yep. So, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, it's suffering from a lot of things. And I, again, I, I don't mean to just harp on this movie because, again, there are some things that are okay, but I really don't like it. And bad effects do not generally pull me out of a film. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Those are bad demon effects. The, yeah. The makeup doesn't look good. <coughs> like it, again, it looks sloppy and rushed. I think if they would have given this script uh, just a once over, give it one more polish, take, like I said, an extra 20 minutes per scene to set up, which again, I, I'm sure they didn't have the time to do that. <coughs> sure, it was run and gun and do what we need yeah. to do. But then don't make it. Yeah, because if you're going to change your theme of your movie from a, an actual found footage movie to a lore movie, you need the time. To sharpen your lore. Because I've run campaigns by the seat of my pants that I managed to just yank out and be decent. But if I had the time to set up the lore, like the stuff I'm writing for the game I'm going to run for you one of these years, I've spent no less than 15 hours just making little stuff for you to find and read to, um, you know, introduce you to the world. But that takes time. And that's a whole different thing. And I find that Either do one or the other, because rarely when you do both does it work out, because lore is important. If you make lore important, it better be important, and you better make it stick with me, and you better pay it off. So that's why I'm saying, if this, it would be a bad D&D campaign if the third one doesn't pull it out of, you know, pull it out of a little bit. So we'll, we'll see. And it really bothers me when the very first thing that we're introduced to is the story of Jackson Mallet and how he got lost and, you know, eventually killed in the Abaddon Hotel, mm-hmm. or at least is missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that is your introduction, loop that back in. Yeah. Have it matter. Because it's just a stray strand of here's something that happened. 
No, make the first five minutes of your movie matter. They really do. And when you're giving me what seems like effectively an unrelated story as your introduction, I'm not interested. Because once you shift focus onto these other characters and I go, well, is this coming back? Why isn't this coming back? Mm -hmm. I I had a few, few, again, I had a few like that, but then I, I had a bunch paid off. But I will make a, a horrible confession. Uh, every time I heard the name Mallet, I'm a big fan of third base. And every time I heard Mallet, I was like, MC Mallet's mother sucks the cactus. And it would run through my brain every time the word Mallet came up. So just wanted to share that with you and Thank our you. listener. Thank you. You only have yourself to blame for this. I know. <laughs> because I told you. I told you when we did Hell House, mm-hmm. and you said, well, let's do the entire film franchise. And mm-hmm. I said, I really don't want to. I know. I know. But, you know, I owe you at least one more stinker. So, That's you know, fair. so we'll, we'll get through this. But, I, you know, I like the fact that sometimes it's good to have something we know that we like. If the third one sucks and I will we'll sit on the couch and we will have a rant episode. And we haven't had one of those in a long time either. Um, I really, really appreciate the fact that um, we, we view movies differently sometimes, you know? It's kind of cool. Um, do, would I recommend this movie? No. Not without the knowledge that the third one's going to pull it out. You know what I mean? Standing alone, a stand, as a standalone movie, objectively, this, this is a shitty-ass movie. Okay? But in my head, it's not a shitty-ass movie it's a pending shitty ass movie because I enjoyed it for what it was. That's what got me through it. Otherwise I would have fucking called you and say, Chris, can we do a quick lateral? You know what I mean? And that's the only reason you didn't because I engaged myself in this movie again through my gaming background, through the way I like to write. And it was a really interesting exercise and I see what they were doing and I see how it could work if given time. So, what what would save this for you? Because um, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I figure I would just do yeah. this while I give you a minute to think. I, I'm kind of disinterested in just in this story. As soon as he turned it into the Overlook, I, I was kind of disengaged. And especially when your villain delivers such a ridiculous monologue... I kind of like the cheesiness of that, though. I enjoyed it for being kind of like campy. Right, but that's not what I want out of the Hell House series. <laughs> See, I have, uh, my thing was I have uh, made it easier that's... for me. Zero expectations, Chris. I had no idea. See, I walked into every that's... single movie we watch with zero expectations, buddy. I say, but that campy, goofy funness, that belongs in your Friday the 13th and your later Halloweens. And your nightmare is on Elm's streets. Well, yes, but if we if we really consider it, the first Friday the 13th, gritty, gory, scary. Lore, funny, funny, funny. You see what I'm saying? So there is precedence for this. Um, what are the, the, the Freddy Krueger, or not Freddy Krueger, but there was Jason and what was the other one? God damn it. Michael Myers. Michael Myers. The first Halloween... Fucking gritty, ridiculously scary. It was just horrible, right? Then lore, lore, weird, 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 funny. And I'm thinking maybe Abaddon's going that way. But I think that's a lot harder to do in within the realm of found footage. Because for found footage to be enjoyable, there needs to be a sense of realism. Or you need to go just absolutely bug fuck nuts. Well, that's what I'm hoping the third one does. But... Even so, if I'm a writer and I'm a filmmaker, right, I might have, the, like, like Cognitive, he had this huge idea in his head that he wanted to make a trilogy somehow, some kind of way, right? But he could only make one movie, and the only way he could afford to do it is from found footage format. So he made that movie. But in order to expand that, to tell the rest of the story of the trilogy, He's got to somehow maintain that conceit, but change the tone. And it's very difficult to do. And I think from that almost, you know, impossible task, he made something out of it. And I admire that, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's just my fear is that 
either this is the only paycheck he can get because this is the only story people want from him. And I think with the strength of Hell House, the original, I want to see what this dude can really do. Mm -hmm. And I, I really hope that these are a work of passion yeah, and that he's enjoying that. Yeah, maybe he's Vin Diesel in it now. Maybe, but I mean, I, I'm I'm gonna need to see a lot from the third. And you keep calling it a trilogy, but there is a fourth. Ah, well, maybe the third one made a couple bucks. Who knows? I say the fourth one is the origins. Yeah, story before all of that. <laughs> so we're we're potentially in for a real rocky road here. Hey, well, you know, we're gonna find out, buddy. We're gonna find out. All right. So I I I think I have made it very clear where I stand. I probably would not recommend going past hell house. Um, right now I will say I would not recommend this movie. When we do the third one next week. Yeah. Okay. When we do the third one next week and the fourth one, the week after that, cause fuck you, you wanted to do it. Okay. We're doing it regardless. I will give you my opinion on whether this movie is shitty or not. And I will hate watch the fourth one. And I will have to owe you then, Chris, because we have met our debt with the next one. Yes. Oh, may, may odd have mercy on our souls, man. Speaking of odd, hey, James. Yeah. Where can people find our weird asses? They can find us at whorevomitpodcast at gmail.com. Because I got real south side there for a couple I saying, seconds. Man, I don't know why. The, the, the Dennis Farina just jumped right out of you. Yeah. I'm homesick, buddy. Um, let me let me dial that back a little bit. We can be found on a Facebook. I can't unstop this now. We can be found on a Facebook. Talk. Hey, hey, look at me. Look yes. at me, James. Talk like mayonnaise. Talk like mayonnaise. We can be found on Facebook. No, I'll open the pot doors. Hell. What are you doing now? <laughs> I don't know what's happening, but hey, we have a uh, uh, Facebook group, Instagram page, uh, and if you wanted to go to any uh, reviews, good God, are you all right, man? That's fine. Uh, it, head to Apple Podcasts, give us uh, the five stars, the five-word written review, gets us on the algorithm, gets the word out, and uh, yeah, because why not? Everybody should be uh, a, a, a slave to our... Haunted hotel that is a podcast. Yeah, what he said. Push yeah. the button. I did the things. Okay. I, I made the, uh, I, I, I wrapped it up nicely in a neat, nice little bow. Mm-hmm. Just accept it. Accept my gift, James. Push the fucking Accept button. my Push gift Push the goddamn button. button. That spiked part.